A warm welcome to everybody. My name is Aston and welcome to my channel. I'll be uploading a lot of ministry content, some preaching, some Christian apologetics, substance abuse recovery material, and some life coaching principles and strategies. So we are continuing in Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 and we'll be doing from verse 19 to verse 30 and the title of today's sermon is Christian or Christ-like examples Christ-like examples Philippians chapter 2 commencing from verse 19 reads as follows now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I also may be encouraged when I hear news about you, for I have no one else like-minded who will genuine who will who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know it's but you know his proven character, because he has served with me. In the gospel ministry like a son with a father therefore I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me I'm convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly but I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus my brother co-worker and fellow soldier as well as your messenger and minister to my needs since he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was sick, that he nearly died. However, God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not, so that I would not have one grief on top of another. For this reason, I'm very eager to send him so that you may rejoice when you see him again and, and I may be less anxious. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in honor. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his own life to make up for what was lacking in your ministry to me. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the start of a wonderful day that we have. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy that goes before us. Lord, we know there's nothing in our own ability, on our own accord that we can do apart from you. You are a sovereign God and in you, you hold all things together. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of hardship, difficulties, challenges, trials, even sickness, Lord, your gospel message it continues to be proclaimed. And that is an example and it is something that we're learning from your word, Lord. In the midst of our hardships and our, and, and our life, let us hold on to the faithful message as taught. Let us hold on to the proclamation of the Christian faith. And we thank you, Father God, for the privilege that we have to be called your children. We learn the example um, that you've given us when you've laid down your life at the cross. 
And we also see examples in others today as we will be looking at Timothy, Epaphroditus, and even Paul as examples. We just thank you for your inerrant and infallible word today, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So, we had a baby dedication uh, two Sundays back. And um, I, I will not lie, it was the most challenging time for me. Um, I will be honest with you, throughout this series on the book of Philippians, I find a lot of comfort. Um, ministry, ministry is not easy. And some conviction that I had from uh, part 11 was that um, sometimes we complain you know, about ministry and the hardships of ministry. But we forget the privilege that we have to proclaim the message, um, to continue in that proclamation, um, proclaiming over complaining. But it gave me great comfort as a reminder about the gospel. And then going through these verses and these passages, it just reminds me again that um, the gospel is a hard, difficult task. It's made easy because God is sovereign and God has given us this. But there's a persecution that comes with it. There's a difficulty that comes with it. And in these examples that we're going to see today, we're going to see positive examples of endurance in the midst of hardship. So keep in mind, there's the example of Jesus, uh, chapter 2, verse 5. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. And then he gives us the example of Jesus' humility. And now Paul is going to use uh, the examples of Timothy and Epaphroditus. So coming back to the story about um, what happened two Sundays ago. My voice was gone. It was difficult to preach. And my voice has been taking a strain on preaching. Um, so what I mean by that is on a Sunday towards the middle end of my sermon for some reason my voice is starting to go away I think it's maybe because we're preaching under 10 now and there's more people and I've had to amplify my voice a bit and, and from next week we'll be starting to use a mic but I've even thought about it and I've mentioned this one or two occasions prior to that should my voice so happen to go away I was already thinking about it I can start writing like I can write material, I can write sermons, I can write books. So I think of how the gospel can advance in spite of limitations. You know, when you look at R.C. Sproul, R.C. Sproul towards uh, the end of his ministry before um, he passed on, he needed to actually speak um, with this, uh, it was a whole machine that he had to go around with it. And even at the strange uh, fire conference with at uh, Grace to You with Dr. John MacArthur. Uh, they had to bring him onto the stage and he had his machine with him. And he even responded uh, when they asked him one of the questions. He says he has to choose between being able to talk and breathe every time he needs to speak. Yet R.C. Sproul preached until the last. Um, you find one of the great fathers of um, the presuppositional apologetics, a guy by the name of uh, Bunsen, um, Craig Bunsen, it's Craig Bunsen, um, or John Bunsen, but uh, I stand to be corrected. Um, a lot of his sermons is up on a um, Apologia Studios. This guy found out that he's going to die, and he literally had the opportunity of preaching his last sermon in church. Think about that. You have the opportunity to use your last breath, to lose your last, um, your, your last days, and you do so in teaching and preaching the gospel. Now I want you to keep those examples in mind as we go through our passages. 
chapter 2, verse 19. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I also may be encouraged when I hear news about you. So Paul is telling the church here that he's got some traveling plans. And a part of those traveling plans is that um, he hopes to he hopes in the Lord uh, to send Timothy um, so that they may be encouraged um, when he, they hear news about you. Uh, verse 20, I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your own interests. So now, here's something about the character of Timothy that we are learning. The character of Timothy. Timothy is like-minded. There's... He's, he's, he's believing and teaching and preaching the same things as Paul and believing the same as the church in Philippians. Okay? But because of that, he's able to have a genuine care for you. He's able to have a genuine care about the interests. Verse 21, um, he says, All seek their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. So here's something we're learning about Timothy, okay? Timothy is a person that, guess what? Puts others before himself. Now why is this important? And remember the placement of how Paul puts this in the middle of the letter. Some scholars have believed that, that Philippians is actually two letters and that is the conclusion of Paul's one letter. But when you see Paul's authorship, you'll understand that it's not like that because Paul normally gives a formal greeting. With all of that being said, let's just rewind back to the beginning of chapter 2 and let's take it from verse 3. He says, Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit, but in humility consider others more important than yourself. So, can you see why Paul would, from speaking and using examples of what it means to be a Christian, is to put other people above yourself. Is to think of the needs of others above thinking of your own needs. Verse 4, everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but in the interests of others. And then after that, he goes into the example of using Jesus as an example. And using what Jesus done at the cross of Calvary as an example. So, keeping all of that in mind, let's get back to verse 21 when he's using the example of of Timothy and then uh, the difference between Timothy and others. Verse 21. All seek their own interests but not those of Jesus Christ. So Paul doesn't have anybody else other than the two gentlemen that we see mentioned here. One being Timothy and the other one which you'll see in a minute. Epaphroditus to say to the church. Why? Because the church or the other people that he could possibly think of sending, guess what? They self-centered. They think of themselves. It would be impossible for them to fulfill the task of the Christian living to the church because they think about themselves. Now, oftentimes Christianity is presented as something like that. God can change a situation now. My friend, God is a righteous judge. You will die one day and stand before the judgment throne of God. God is not a genie in a bottle that you can somehow rub up the right way and get what you want from God. God is a righteous, holy, and just judge, which means um, there's no partiality. God is not going to show 
any hint of favoritism outside of what is grace in the person of Jesus Christ. But what do we learn about some people? Well, they actually want their own interests and not the interests of Christ. They want to fulfill their own desires and not the desires of Christ. He says this, because, um, but you know his proven character, verse 22, but you know his proven character. So, Timothy has been tested by the church through how they have observed his character. So, Timothy's character speaks for itself. People can see the example in Timothy. Why? Because his character speaks for himself. And here he gives us more meat to that. He says, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. So Timothy came alongside the ministry of Paul as a son and Paul as a father to Timothy. So imagine that walking a parental journey with somebody. You know, um, you learn things from people that raise you. You learn things from people that teach you. You learn things from your parents. You know, um, sometimes when I speak to some of the parents of the guys that is in the center, you can almost hear the vocabulary is the same. The laugh has a similarity to it. You can, you can see the similarities in the family. Now here's the thing. Paul, Timothy is alongside Paul like a son is to a father. And they're becoming and having unity. Thinking about the other people's needs. Why? Remember in verses uh, 3, uh, verses 4, everything should, everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Verse 5, make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Humble himself by becoming a servant to others. I asked it in two sermons back. I asked this question two or three sermons back. What's your service looking like? Are you waking up every day in pursuing your own gain, what you want, or are you out there looking out for the needs of others? Well, here we're learning something about the character of Paul, uh, or, or, or the character of Paul, about the character of Timothy. And what is it? Well, they are looking out for the needs of others. Why? Because there's Christ-mindedness. So, if we have to think of it as a pyramid, okay, um, right at the bottom of this pyramid um, would be you. You're the last one on this pyramid. Right on top of you should be others, and right on top of others should be God. And that should be the hierarchy. So the first thing that we should be thinking about for the first person is God. And then after God, who is it? Others. Remember what the Bible teaches you. Love the Lord God with all that you are and then what does it say love thy neighbor as you love yourself you can't talk about maturity as a believer now keep in mind why these things are essential to the lives of believers well number one this is the reason why God has made you living outside of this character is living in a fake identity I cannot climb in my car and assume my car is an airplane and when you live your life outside of the identity of who you are you're taking on a false identity. you sitting in a car trying to fly your car as if it's an aeroplane. This is essential to the Christian life because this is the characteristics of what makes you a Christian. Keep in mind, we're looking at sanctification. We're not looking at 
We're not looking at how are you going to get saved today? No, that's not what we're looking at. We're looking at how does your life look like now that you are saved? Therefore, I hope, verse 23, to send him as soon as I see how, uh, as soon as I see how things go with me. I'm convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. Can you see how hopeful Paul is even while he's in prison? That he's still, he's, he's already making ministry plans. The man's in chains. The man's in prison. But the man is, 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 is full of passion for the future and for the work of the ministry. So, again, if there's anything that we will continue to hear throughout the series is the gospel message is continuing to advance. The gospel message is continuing to advance. Paul is not looking at prison as a limitation from preaching the gospel, but looking at it as a stepping stone from preaching the gospel. And again, another thing we'll continue to reiterate is, what is it about the person of Jesus that can change? Keep in mind, Paul was a murderer. This is a man that used to kill Christians. Okay? He was on his way to, to persecute Christians when he had an encounter with Jesus. Now, if God can change a murderer, and turn a murderer into a minister and make him an example of putting others now above himself and him thinking about one thing and one thing only, the gospel. I think the sin of our life, we cannot measure up to the degree that we can say it's too big for God to wrap his love around it. Um, Verse 25, But I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, so here's another person being mentioned. And this is the person that I want us to zoom into. He says, my brother, okay, co-worker and fellow soldier. So what do we learn about Epaphroditus? Well, Epaphroditus is like a brother in the faith with Paul. So Timothy is like a son that comes alongside Paul. Epaphroditus is like a brother. And then he says this, a co-worker. So if you look at me and Jasmine, we work together. If you look at me, Jasmine and Earl, we work together. We're doing things together. We are co-workers. We are colleagues. So Paul is saying, we like family because he's my brother. We like co-workers because we are in the same industry, in the same business. And then he says this, and fellow soldier. And that's the thing we have to understand about the Christian faith. There's, There's like this war that is happening. There's this battle that we are in. And us who are called to defend the Christian faith, we are soldiers in this journey. He says, as well as your messenger and minister to my need. So we see the benefit of who Epaphroditus is between the church of Philippians and to Paul. Verse 26, since he he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick. Indeed, he was sick that he nearly died. Now, think about this. Ministry becomes hard. Ministry becomes difficult. And this is a guy that in the midst of the most difficult and challenging times that he's facing, like Paul, in prison, but still preaching. Like Epaphroditus, sick, but still preaching. He doesn't consider his life. He still thinks about the needs of others. It's not, it's not becoming a baby. It's not becoming a baby, you know. Since he has been, verse 26, 
since he has he has been longing for all of you and was distressed because you heard that he was sick indeed he was sick that he nearly died however god had mercy on him and not only on him but also on me so that i would not have one grief on top of another so we see the affection that Paul has towards the person of Epaphroditus, that Paul wouldn't even want something to happen to him. Verse 28, For this reason, I am very eager to send him, so that you may rejoice when you see him again, and I may be less anxious. Verse 29, Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with joy, and hold men like him in honor. Now think about this, okay? If, if, if you are this powerful preacher is going to preach, this mighty, mighty man of God is going to deliver the word with passion and with power. And here comes this sick guy. He'll be looking at you and be like, he doesn't look so mighty to me, does he? You know, he comes maybe with crutches or he's got wounds, he's bandaged up. And he looks like he got hit by a truck. And here's this guy that stands behind the pulpit. That's the scene of the physical limitations of Epaphroditus. Not only Epaphroditus, but it's also been told that Paul the Apostle had some physical limitations. That's why Paul even tells the church that they, he thanks them that they didn't reject him because of his physical conditions. You see, oftentimes we see the minister as somebody that needs to be this powerful man. Now, I'm not saying that the message isn't delivered with power and with passion. No, it is. But God uses weak people in order to do so. God takes addicts and turns them into disciples. God takes murderers and turns them into ministers. God uses weak people to perform His power. Epaphroditus doesn't look at his weakness. He doesn't look at his sickness as a default. And funny enough, it's told that a part of his physical conditions was because of his preaching. Imagine that this man is preaching to that degree that he's getting sick. And even when he's getting sick, he's not stopping. He's still preaching, willing to even die being a preacher. Now, think about it. When you find something worth value, when you find something worthwhile in life, wouldn't you be willing to want to lay down your life for it? If you believe that something is utterly true, you'll be willing to risk all on it. I mean, if, if something is going to happen to a family member of yours and you are sick, you will get up and try and defend to save them. Why? Because you love them and you have an affection towards them. That's the feeling that Epaphroditus has for the message of Christ, even though he's got physical limitations. He's not going to allow sickness to get in his way. And here's the thing. Weak people are not seen to be people as honor or to have honor. But what does Paul say? Well, verse 29. Therefore, welcome him in the Lord with all joy. Hold men like him in honor. Verse 30, here we know why. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ. This man came close to losing his life for the sake of the gospel. What is it that you're willing to risk your life for? What are you willing to die for? You know, us who come from addiction, I'm sure we all have a lot of near-death experiences for our dependencies. <laughs> but here's something worthwhile. Our dependencies is sin and rebellion from God. But that God humbles Himself, takes on the form of a slave, 
dies on the cross a death that we deserve. And he tells us to think the same way of how we see the example in him. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus. Consider others above yourself. Epaphroditus is not considering his own life. He's willing to go all the way even to the point of death. That's the effect that the gospel has. That's the passion that the gospel brings. Do you see the gospel message? It's the message that instills purpose in your life. Well, here's the thing. For a Christian, death is not the end for us. Of course, for a Christian, they wouldn't be scared of dying. <coughs> and somebody told me, you preach. If you preach your last sermon now, pastor, you might die after that. I would most likely preach my last sermon then. You know why? Because I won't die after that. Because my last breath in this life is my next breath in the eternal. You can't kill me. I live forever. Forever. Why? Because my Savior rose from the dead. What proof do I have? Did you know my Savior got out, out of the tomb after three days? You can't go to a monument and find the bones of Jesus. You can't. Because my Savior is seated at the right hand of God, the Father, in majesty. He died for my sins. He died for a sinner like me. And because of that great gift that he has given me, I live my life in service and in value to the ministry. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his own life to make up for what was lacking in your ministry to me. So we do see that as much as there's that joy that Paul finds from the church of Philippians. We do know that they were not also a perfect church. There's reasons why Paul would speak about this unity. There's reasons why Paul would say, look, here's examples for you to follow. Most likely that they were maybe not following that example. But here comes the thing. The Bible doesn't teach us to follow people. We follow Jesus. <coughs> but the Bible tells us to have good leaders that follow Jesus that we can see as examples. Let me ask you this. Who's a Christian example for you? Who's somebody that you can say is passionate and caring and willing to lay down their life for the gospel? Now find that person and follow that person. Remember yesterday, work out your own salvation for it is God that works within you. You need a trainer. You need somebody to work that in you. God trains you, but people come alongside you in that training and walk this journey with you. Do you see the value of the gospel to such a degree that you are willing to even lay down your life for the very message of the gospel? It's the weight, it's the glory, it's the value of what Jesus has done at the cross of Calvary. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we can be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this time of devotion today. This time of devotion where we can be reminded of what you've done at the cross of Calvary for us. Where we can be reminded of the Christian examples it is that we need to find in others and even the example that we ourselves need to follow. Let us find their great examples. May you make us become one of those examples to others. And may we find others that we can follow in their steps. 
as Paul the Apostle says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We just know that the ultimate leader, the ultimate one that we follow, is Jesus on the cross. Yes, Lord, ministry has its hardships, life has its challenges. But Lord, we are willing to lay down our life for the sake of the proclamation of your faith. We're done with complaining and we want to move on to proclaiming. Thank you, Jesus, for you who knew no sin became sin for us. And that's the message that we proclaim. That there is hope found in the resurrection. There is, there is redemption from the weight of our sins. And while nothing else can wash away our sins, but the blood of Jesus on the cross, blot out our iniquities and create in us a clean heart. Purify us, O Lord, and cleanse us from our right, unrighteousness. And let us live according to your statutes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.